Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In John chapter 20, we find the account of Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. Mary's devotion and heart to wait on Jesus proved to open the door to perhaps the greatest blessing in the history of the world. Mary Magdalene was the first human being to see the risen Christ and the first person to be commissioned by Jesus after his resurrection to work in his kingdom. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 20 and look at this incredible example of what it means to be devoted to Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It's a Wednesday afternoon here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all are loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing in Jesus, trying to be like Jesus, trying to obey him and, uh, and repenting when we fall short. I mean, I've said this before, I think as Christians, as those who are genuinely trusting in Christ, those who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, uh, those of us who are saved, our sins are forgiven, we have relationship with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we ultimately will go to heaven when we die. That's what a Christian is, as all those things. Uh, perhaps the greatest tool in our toolbox is repentance, right? Not from condemnation, uh, Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Not because of shame, right? Shame and guilt and condemnation don't, don't come from our Heavenly Father or from Jesus or from the Holy Spirit. But conviction does come, right? We're convicted when we make mistakes. And, I, and you know, I'm saying literally daily, generally multiple times a day, I'm talking to my heavenly father just about areas of my life that I that I that I need to do better in. And you know, some things are just hard. Just growing and maturing in Christ is a process. It's it's a it's a transformational process, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2, do not be conformed, you know, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, renewing your mind in the scriptures, renewing your mind in prayer and in worship and thanksgiving and in repentance, renewing your mind in the kingdom of God and in the word of God. And it says, then you'll be able to test and approve and know the will of God in every aspect of your life. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Um, we're continuing in John 20 today. Um, Lord willing, we'll do verses 10 to, to 18. Um, this is Jesus again appearing to, to Mary Magdalene. I've said before, this is one of my wife's favorite teachings um, in all of scripture. Um, it's just a profound teaching just to see the heart and the devotion and the dedication of this woman, Mary Magdalene. We said last time that in Luke 2, um, we're told that that Jesus had driven seven demons out of Mary. Um, and we're told in, I'm sorry, this, that's Luke 8, verse 2. And then in Luke 8, verse 3, it says that Mary and the other women were supporting Jesus and the disciples out of their own means. So we just see this incredible devotion from this woman. Um, she is one of five people that are at the cross of Jesus Christ, courageously at the cross, 
in John 19, we see um, Jesus's mother, Mary, um, and Mary Magdalene and two other women that are at the cross there um, with them. Matter of fact, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and read that because um, I want to be honoring to those women and the Apostle John who are there at the cross. Um, John 19, verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, which is what the gospel writer John, the author of this gospel, calls himself. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. So we see this woman again, Mary Magdalene, at the cross of Jesus, just in her devotion and love for him. Um, the 10 other disciples were not there. The apostle John is courageously there in his love and devotion to Jesus. Um, and then we see it's, it's Mary that's rising very early and going to the tomb on, uh, on Sunday morning, right? In verse, uh, verse one of chapter 20, it says early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. Um, so again, Mary Magdalene is the first one to discover that the, the, the tomb is empty. Um, and she's going to be the first one to see the resurrected Christ. And so we're going to get into all this. Um, and again, there can be no doubt. Remember Luke seven forty seven, Jesus said, you know, he who's been forgiven much, loves much. He's talking about this woman that anointed him. And he said, she has been forgiven much. So she loves much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. It, it, uh, it, it's worth saying that all of us have been forgiven an immense debt beyond what we can ever ima imagine. One of the great problems in the church today and in the world today is unforgiveness. And unforgiveness, the root of unforgiveness is that you and I don't know how bad we really are. At the foot of the cross, all of us are equal. The Bible is clear that every human being is sinful, Romans 3.23, and has fallen short of God's holy standard. All of us are sinful, we're all hopeless, we're desperate, we're helpless, we need a savior or we're going straight to hell. And it's only in Jesus Christ that we can have our sins forgiven, come into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, and ultimately go, and go to heaven when we die, right? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you trusting and relying on him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12, says that to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's, it's not our words that save us, as I've said over and over. It's Christ that saves us. But we use our words to communicate 
our heart to Jesus. You're not sure that you're a Christian today. If, if maybe you believe in Jesus intellectually, but you're not sure that you're trusting and relying on him alone, simply go before him in prayer. Humble yourself and with as much genuineness and sincerity, you know, as, as, as you genuinely can, you know, give to him, just, just pray to Jesus and receive him. Just, just say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinful person. I confess I'm a sinner and I, I know I cannot save myself, Lord. I know that I am hopeless and helpless and desperate, Lord. But I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are the Son of God. And I believe that, that you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me and died a, a horrible, torturous death for me. And I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart. I ask you to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. Now, again, I, I want to caution against use the words that I just said. If you're not sure you're a Christian, back up the tape. Go ahead and use the words. But it's not just puppeting words. Again, it's the humility and the genuineness and the sincerity of your heart, knowing your desperate need of Jesus, knowing you're helpless without him, and throwing yourself at his feet and humbly asking him to save you from your sin and to be the Lord of your life, believing and trusting in him and him alone to save you. Um, again, a Christian is someone who is actively today trusting and relying on Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your love on our lives. Father, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you that we have a Bible. Father, but above all, we thank you for Jesus our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you again for becoming a human man for us, living a perfect life for us, dying a torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today, and we do worship you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, we're going to start in verse 10, John chapter 20. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, 
which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just, just incredible, incredible account of the resurrection of Jesus and the appearing of Jesus to Mary Magdalene. So I'll say again, Mary is the first one, right, to find the empty tomb. And she is the first one to see the resurrected Christ. This is of, of paramount importance, Corinne. Okay. Um, again, 2,000 years ago in the days of Jesus, um, a, a woman would, would, would have no credential um, to verify anything. Her opinion wouldn't matter for anything, right? Um, it, it, was a, it, was a, it was obviously a time where women were viewed in a, in a, you know, in a, very, in a very poor way, right? If this was going to be made up, Okay, if this resurrection account was going to be made up or if it was going to be falsified or, you know, someone was just going to write a story about this, never would you write it so that this woman who, whom Jesus drove out seven demons, never would you have her be the first one to, number one, verify the empty tomb, number two, you would not have her be the first one, the first eyewitness of the resurrected Christ, God, right? And now you have Jesus commissioning her to commission the disciples, right? Now you have Jesus telling her to go and, and tell his disciples, right? That he has risen from the dead, right? Um, and... Um, it's none of these things would you write if you were making this up. If you were making this up, you would have some prominent man, right? Some highly respected man be the first one to see the resurrected Christ and testify to it. It's, it's just, again, just yet another beautiful and profound aspect of the scriptures is it just tells us what happened. Um, so yes, thank you, Lord Jesus. So we said last time, um, Mary goes, she runs and tells Peter and John, Peter and John run to the tomb. They go in, Jesus isn't there and, and they leave. Okay. Um, verse 10, then the disciples went back to their homes. I said this before, right? If it was me and, and Stephen or me and any of the guys, I mean, this is, I don't know, this is sometimes how we're wired, right? This is Peter and John. They have two different personalities. Peter's very assertive. John is more laid back and mild-mannered. Um, but nonetheless, they both go to their homes. Jesus is not there. They go to their homes, verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying, okay? But Mary. Mary doesn't go home. Mary's not going home. I don't know. It doesn't record. I don't know if she turned to him and said, you know, where y'all going? What are you doing? What's going on here? What are we going to do? Right? I mean, I don't know. Why are they going to their home? 
right? Where are they going, Esther? Are they like, well, Jesus is not here. I'm getting hungry. It's getting about time for breakfast already. So yeah, we better go home and think about this later. I don't know. But Mary doesn't go home, okay? What are they going to do at home anyway, right? This is kind of a big deal. Jesus is not there, okay? Um, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. I would like to think it would have said, but John stood outside the tomb and crying or doing whatever or looking for Jesus, but I have little doubt that I would have been more like John and Peter. Well, not here, you know, let's go. You know, got to go home. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. Verse 12, and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. Now, just a few minutes earlier, Peter and John were in the tomb and there weren't any angels in there. Right? Peter and John left. And moments later, moments, could have been two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, we don't know how long. But the disciples, Peter and John, they don't, they don't wait on Jesus, right? Uh, when we did this on Tuesday, Stephen made a, just a, a, an incredible point, right? We, we don't know the blessings we've missed in our lives, May, because we, we, we won't wait on Jesus. Another five minutes, another 10, another 20. This could have been five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20. Sometimes when we don't wait on Jesus, we have no idea of the blessings that we miss. Again, when we read up, when we did uh, the last teaching, we did verses one through nine, we see that Peter and John run to the tomb. They go in. They see the linens there. Um, the headcloth uh, was folded up by itself. Um, Jesus left it very orderly. Um, but they go back to their homes. Mary stays right where she is. This is where I last saw Jesus. And I'm not leaving till I find where Jesus is. Right now in her mind, she just wants to serve him. Right. She's trying to 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 finish the the anointing job that was done on his body because it was rushed so that he would be in the tomb by the time he got taken off the cross. And we we studied that in John chapter 19. Um, there were 75 pounds of, you know, of anointing of anointment and spices and all that stuff. And, you know, presumably she and the gospel say the other women were going to, you know, we're going to finish the, you know, we're going to do a more thorough job of, of anointing the body, right? But it says, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white see where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. Um, she doesn't know that, that they're angels, right? Um, you know, Hebrews tells us that, you know, to, to entertain strangers, because, you know, sometimes we may entertain and be hospitable to, to, to angels and not know it. I'm going to read that to you. All right. So in Hebrews 13, it says in verse one, keep on loving each other as brothers. Verse two, do not forget to entertain strangers. 
For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Okay. Um, it seems clear that, that Mary Magdalene doesn't know that these are angels. Um, and so she sees them seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. Now, again, the disciples had just left, but she stayed. Again, we need to wait on Jesus, right? We, we want to be like Mary in this. You want to be wherever the last place you saw Jesus was, right? Now, by the grace of God, Jesus is alive and risen, but we want to have a lifestyle of waiting on Jesus, of not moving forward without Jesus, right? He's our Lord, our master, our king, our God, right? Um, they asked her, woman, why are you crying? Um, it's an interesting statement. It's the only thing we, we hear from them in this gospel, right? They asked her, woman, why are you crying? Five words. It's interesting. Jesus is going to ask her the exact same five words. She says to them, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. So obviously she's emotional. She's crying. She, she sees the, the, the two angels in white, which again, presumably just look like men in white to her. Um, then it says in verse 14, at this, so again, they ask her this question. Um, she gives them an answer, but they don't answer her. It's Jesus who's going to answer her. So why Jesus had these two angels here, we're, we're not told, but it's pretty exciting, right? Um, and it's an interesting question. Woman, why are you crying? Right? Um, we learn in the road to Emmaus, right? And in, uh, in Luke 24, that, you know, Jesus walks with these two disciples. And in that account, he keeps himself from being known by them because he wants them to believe the word of God, right? You remember it said in verse nine here that the disciples, they still did not, under, they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And clearly Mary still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead, which is to say, if, if, we, had, if we spent more time in our Bible, right, Uncle Dennis, the more time we'll spend in our Bible, the more faith we'll have and the less issues we're going to have in every way, the less fear, the less problems, the less everything, right? Um, the angels aren't, don't understand why she's crying, right? Woman, why are you crying, right? So what am I saying? Meaning there's nothing to be crying about. Jesus is risen. What are you upset about, right? Um, now they know that. Obviously she doesn't know that. But again, it says they did not understand from scripture. Again, John 20 verse nine, that Jesus had to rise from the dead. This is why we do these things, right, May? This is why we do the Bible studies. This is why we study the scriptures. This is why we do these teachings. It's so that we'll know the scriptures. Uh, again, we can avoid, I don't know what percentage, 95% of all the problems that we ever bring on ourselves if we knew the word of God, trusted the word of God, walked in the word of God, believed the word of God, obeyed the word of God, and repented when we, when we don't obey it, right? So they ask the five words. She gives them an answer, but they don't return an answer. It says that this, 
she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. So why doesn't she realize? It's interesting. She's not going to realize that it's Jesus until he says her name. He's going to ask her the same question. Um, woman, why are you crying? But she's not going to notice then. It's not until he says her name, Mary, right? So it, it's it's clear. Um, perhaps there was a, uh, you know, in the resurrected body of Christ, perhaps he did look a little different than he did in his earthly form. Uh, probably not immensely different, but the resurrected body might have had a, you know, just certain aspects of it that made him look a little different. And the probability is that she's obviously emotional. Her eyes are full of tears. And she really has no reference of a resurrected Christ or a resurrected anybody, right? Meaning, what am I saying? Like, try to put yourself in Mary's position, right? You're, you're emotional. You're crying. You don't know where Jesus is. You're just, you know, you're just mentally exhausted. You don't know what's going on. You turn. It says that this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not realize that it was Jesus. If you turned and saw someone, her mind has no concept of resurrection, right? Try to imagine um, that you had a loved one or a mother or father or grandmother or grandfather that had passed away. And, and all of a sudden you're emotional and you're crying and you turn Again, your mind cannot conceive that that person is alive and well and standing before you. So very possibly we would not have recognized him simply because we have no, what am I trying to say, right? We, we don't have any just, uh, we don't have any, any reference for that, right? It's not something we've ever considered. Once someone has died, we do not expect to see them again in this life. So again, it could be that. And it could be that she is, um, you know, she's just emotional. Her eyes are full of tears. Perhaps that's why she doesn't recognize him. Um, in the story, in the account in Luke, it actually says that Jesus kept these disciples from recognizing him. But it does not say that here. So that doesn't appear to be the case. Um, and again, perhaps his resurrected body, he did look slightly different, right? All right, at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus, right? Again, um, sometimes the Lord is working in our lives, right? And today, the Lord could be standing by you and I, and we certainly wouldn't realize it was Jesus because we can't see him, right? Verse 15, woman, he said, why are you crying? The exact same five words. In verse 13, the angels ask her, woman, why are you crying? Verse 15, woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? So he adds this, woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? This is funny. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get it. Okay, so Mary, you know, Mary thought that she was talking to the gardener. And so just in her mind, it would make sense that, you know, some preparations needed to be done. The body had to be moved for something. Things had to be done. You know, just the one tending the, the tomb and the garden around the tomb. So um, thinking he was the gardener. 
okay? Um, Jesus is not the gardener, right? Um, but she says to him, thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Now again, um, I don't know how she plans to get this body, right? Um, let's say Jesus was 175 pounds, okay? Um, and now he's got 75 pounds of, of ointments and spices on him, you know, 250 pounds. Obviously, she's not going to be able to carry that. But, you know, this is just, she's going to get Jesus. She's going to serve Jesus. She's not in her right mind how she's going to do it, but she tells what she thinks is the gardener, but it's actually Jesus. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Again, all of this you see just the total sold out heart for Jesus. I don't know that we have a, a greater picture of love and devotion to Jesus in all the scriptures. Okay, I'll say again, she was at the cross. Funny, four women are at the cross, right? Witnessing the death of Jesus, just one of the disciples, okay? Again, it takes a lot of courage to be at the cross, to be identified with Jesus. And again, very few of us would have had it. We hope we would. I, I, you know, I have no reason to believe that, you know, that I would have been there. I would have liked to have been. I would have liked to have been like Jesus' mother, Mary, and Mary Magdalene, and the two other women, and and the Apostle John, right? Um, but again, her just her devotion to Jesus. She's there at the cross at his moment of death. She's there early in the morning to find the empty tomb. She stays when the apostles leave. Therefore, she gets the visitation of the angels she sees. And now she's going to find Jesus. She doesn't know it's Jesus, right? Woman, he said, he's going to find her. Why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. And something's going to change now. She doesn't recognize him, him either physically or really his voice when he says, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? But when he says her name, no one, she knows, she knows the voice of Jesus when he calls her by name. You remember in John 10 where Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, right? She knows the voice of Jesus when Jesus calls her by name. And Jesus is calling you and I today. You could put your own name down in there, right? Jesus said to her, Esther. Jesus said to her, Chloe. Jesus said to her, Olivia. Jesus said to her, Benny, right? Put your own name in there. Because Jesus is saying your name with the same love, right? Jesus said to her, Mary. And she knows the intonation of his voice, right? She knows that voice. She didn't recognize it until he, he said her name. And when he said her name, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Reboni, which means teacher. 
Obviously, she's she's hugging him, right? She's overwhelmed. There are no words. 17, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Um. You know, questions have said, why is Jesus saying this? Why is Jesus saying, do not hold on to me? Some postulate, and I, you know, that perhaps it's because, you know, his resurrected body should not be handled by a, a, a still mortal body. Uh, you know, I find no reason for that at all to be true. Um, I think it's interpreted better, do not hold on to me because I need you to go and inform but the, the disciples, right, whom he calls here my brothers now, um, and I, you know, need to be going. So when he says, do not hold on to me, it, it really has nothing to do with, um, with the fact that, you know, it's wrong for her to hold on to him. He's simply saying, you know, you know I, I have responsibilities I'm going to go handle, and now I need you to go and inform the disciples of what's happening, right? Does that make sense? So that's why Jesus is saying, Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet returned to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So here it is. Not only is she the first one to see the resurrected Christ, but then she is commissioned by Jesus Jesus himself to go and inform the disciples. There's a lot said in the body of Christ and in, in uh, you know, in the church circles on commissioning or ordination. Um, and they are different things, but they're, they're related. Um, you know, there can be two equally bad errors in commissioning. Okay. Um, there can be self-commissioning, and then equally bad is man-centered commissioning, okay? Both are, are equally bad. What do I mean, you know, by man-centered commissioning? It's Jesus who's commissioning Mary here, okay? If you're a Christian today, okay, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus is commissioning you to serve him. You don't need any man, you don't need any woman, okay? To to tell you okay, you don't need any man or woman to pray for you, need. You don't need to encourage you, you don't need me, any other pastors, any other elders. Jesus is commissioning you to go and work in his field as a disciple of Jesus Christ, okay? Um at, Man-centered commissioning is where, you know, we care more about men and women affirming us in the call of God in our lives than we do Christ, okay? So, obviously, we, you know, we don't want to rely on what we're calling here man-centered commissioning, okay? Christ is commissioning you, okay? Now, at the same time, there's a self-commissioning, okay? If, you know... If you, if you are believing that you're called into, say, a more full-time ministry, right? 
and you're called to to teach the word of God and preach the word of God and you're called to you know you believe you're called into full-time ministry there ought to be brothers and sisters in Christ in your life that affirm the call of God on your life they ought to be everywhere mind you now you know it's good if you have pastors and elders um, and deacons but even more than that there ought to be people that you've built up and encouraged and discipled uh, they ought to be scattered everywhere that can affirm the call of God on your life and commission you yes you ought to have those who are quote older and wiser than you and established in the faith I was very blessed from a uh, from a new Christian and throughout my my walk with Christ, it's been, come, what, 24, 25 years now. Um, I've been blessed with different spiritual fathers and different spiritual mothers. Um, but my very first, right, um, spiritual father, you know, and uh, he still is to this day. Um, his name is Rick. Um, and from the time I was a new Christian, I was maybe, I don't know, Father Rick, what was I? I was, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe a one-year Christian, maybe an eight-month Christian. And, and he immediately affirmed the call of God on my life. But this man had wisdom that certainly I didn't have and rarely have I seen in the body of Christ today. As the years went on, he did, he went out of his way to make sure that, that my commissioning was not man-centered, right? He would always exhort me, and just recently, last whatever, three or four, five, six months, would say that it's it's Christ who has commissioned me. You remember, no one commissioned John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist was commissioned from the womb by God, right? Um, but it's Christ, how he would always affirm, it's Christ that commissioned me. Now, again, he's been a tremendous spiritual father, but he had this wisdom and still has it. And again, um, I don't walk in this in the same wisdom that he does, but but knowing that there's a place for us as spiritual fathers, right, and as mentors, um, but then there's also a place where we want to have the wisdom to know that ultimately that that these ministers belong to Jesus, and it's Him, it's King Jesus who's ultimately the one who's commissioning all of his disciples. And so there's this uh, this tentative balance. And like I said, we can get off into the two, two equally as bad errors. Um, again, I was very, very blessed in my life again, and I, and I still am. Again, I have, uh, there are many, many people that, that I've had, uh, that, that I've been blessed to have speak into my life. Um, you know, and, and, you know, certainly sometimes that comes with a, a, an amount of friction Right. And, 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 and generally I was the cause of most of that. Right. But um, if you're a Christian today, just like Jesus is commissioning Mary, he's commissioning you to go out and be his disciple, to build up the body of Christ. You do not need to wait on any man to do that. OK. Again, if you feel you're, you're called into a full time ministry, a leadership ministry, their first ought to be disciples all around you. You ought to have, you know, three, four, five, eight, 10, 12 people that can testify that you have been encouraging them and building them up and praying for them and checking on them and calling on them in the word of God, 
right? Teaching them in the word of God, calling to, to see if they're obeying the word of God, right? If, you know, as ministers, we ought to be making disciples and building up disciples well before we do this full time, right? Um, oftentimes people will believe they're called into full-time ministry, but yet they have almost no lifestyle of ministering now, okay? So again, this is where it helps to have wise men and wise women, right, uh, to exhort you in the call of God on your life. So Jesus himself commissions her, right? 18, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Um, and Mark, we read last time that, uh, that they don't believe her. Okay, so let's turn to Mark 16, verses 9 and 10. And then we'll go to Matthew. Mark 16, verse 9. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. Verse 10. She went and told those who had been with him who were mourning and weeping. Verse 11, when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Okay, so they don't believe her, right? Mark tells us. Um, now, let's go over to the end of Matthew. All right. So Matthew 28, verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped them. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. Go to Galilee. There they will see me. Okay. All right, now let's go to Luke, and we'll lead to final one in Luke here at the end of Luke. All right, Luke 20, 24. Okay, so in Luke, um, it says... You know, the angels are speaking and says, why do you look for the living among the dead? Verse five, he is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you. The son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Um, so uh, again, uh, it, it's plain. Um, Jesus, Jesus is no respecter of persons. Okay. Um, you know, here we have this woman who's utterly sold out to Jesus, devoted to Jesus. 
Again, she is the first individual commissioned by the, the risen Christ, the first one to see the risen Christ, the first one to find the empty tomb. It's amazing that Jesus himself appears to her, tells, the, tells him to tell the disciples, and they don't believe her, <laughs> right? So uh, forgive us, Lord. I mean, again, you, you never know how the Lord, we don't know how the Lord is going to work different circumstances in our lives. And oftentimes we are exhorted, we are commissioned, um, we are rebuked, um, you know, from places that maybe we we don't understand or don't believe or may not think it's from the Lord, but we have to have an open heart, okay? These disciples didn't believe her, right? But she clearly was telling the truth. Jesus had been risen, had, had been raised from the dead. He had appeared to Mary and he had given her these instructions to give to the disciples, right? Well, Father, we do thank you for your word today. We thank you for these scriptures. We thank you, Father, for just this incredible example that this woman, Mary Magdalene, is to us, Lord. Father, I ask you to help us and help us to walk with you and to be transformed more and more and more that we might have a greater heart of devotion. Lord, certainly you've driven things out of us, Lord. Perhaps we don't know what it's like to be filled with seven demons, Lord, but you have you have washed us in your blood, Lord. You have cleansed us in your blood. And I ask you to forgive us where we don't have a devoted and thankful heart as this woman, Mary Magdalene, clearly did. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Lord, help us to go out commissioned by you to be your disciples and to make disciples of all nations, as you told us in Matthew to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey all the word of God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the message to our hearts now. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.